A few years back, we had the huge snowstorm, and we, you know, we were all trapped inside for like a week. I was like, "This is the best week ever." Yeah, um, Snowpocalypse, yeah. right? And everybody else is like, "I can't stand being inside by myself." And I'm like, "Another week, another week." Um, <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Snapshot Atlanta. I'm your host, Denor Sapolia. In this episode, I talk to Christy Porter, founder of Signify, a company that helps small nonprofits and for-profits with social missions get noticed and grow through effective marketing and communication strategies. I'd, I'd like to pick your brain about you know that decision to start your own company. You said that you'd noticed certain problems or ways you could help nonprofits because you had been on the other side. So what drove you to be that person that said, hey, I'm going to try to fix this and I'm going to become a consultant for nonprofits? It was sort of the intersection of a few different things. So um, having worked in the restaurant hospitality industry, just as chefs were becoming rock stars, having worked mm-hmm. in the at an environmental foundation, just as the green movement was really starting to take shape. And mm-hmm. then um, I became aware of the social enterprise movement, um, which is about profits and uh, people coming together. And so it's the perfect intersection of commerce and cause. So I love nonprofits. I love supporting them. Most of my clients are nonprofits. Um, I enjoy working for them and being able to help, you know, to serve them however I can, typically through copywriting and consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I discovered social enterprise, um, you know, people are probably most familiar with brands like Tom Shoes or Warby Parker, where purpose is built right into the business model. Then I thought this is the next big thing after seeing two major shifts in industries already. And I said, this is where business is heading and I want to be a part of it. So, you know, my skills, copywriting, consulting, marketing, um, those are skills. Those are learned talents. But my passion is to help causes however I can. And so for me, I created my own social enterprise using my skills um, to be able to help and professionally support the people and causes I was already supporting personally. And so I love small businesses. I've always worked with small businesses um, and really wanted to see them supported. So there are a lot of amazing companies working with um, lots of national and international brands doing amazing things. But the gap in the market that I continually saw, both as an employee and as a friend of a lot of these people, was that nobody was supporting the little guys. Um, mm-hmm. There were people on staff, you know, very one, two, three, eighty nine percent of small businesses have less than 20 employees. And so most of them, that means they don't have a marketing department. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're doing incredible things. So if nobody doesn't support them on the front end, how are they ever going to grow past 20 employees? And so I could step in and help them with marketing and communications or rewrite their website or just help get them to the next level and solve really immediate challenges that would help them grow in the long run. And so that was the problem I kept continually running up against and was getting questions about. And so I said, that's a need that, um, that's a niche I want to fill and a need that I can really bridge the gap on. And those are people that I want to help. So you really do embody that entrepreneurial spirit because, number one, you, you found a community and, and like you said, you specifically find your own niche there. What were the first few days like? Could you tell me about the story of getting your first client? Um, sometimes I think entrepreneur is just a word for somebody who doesn't like to be bossed around. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if it's entrepreneurial spirit or something. You could ask my mom. It goes way back. but. <laughs> 
I think I had a very non-traditional experience in that, you know, I'd spent so many years just serving people because Mm -hmm. I wanted to help and volunteering or answering friends questions or something like that. So when I finally decided to start a business, um, you know, I had a few people that were ready to go at the gate. I didn't have to go look for clients. And so that's great. Yeah. So for the first 18 months, I just spent just serving friends and, you know, as clients. And so that was the perfect way to build my business, too, because they I cared about them. They cared about me. And we were kind of learning through this process together. Um, the thing I the mistake I did do um, was that I didn't keep looking hard after that. I kept expecting the work come, to come to me. And so when you, you know, those friends, I'd solve those problems, you know, or they didn't need a website written every day of the week or Mm -hmm. something like that so I got a little lazy on the back end I came (laughs) back to bite me (laughs) yes you just touched on this but what was something unexpected in those first 18 months so you had clients which is a great thing to get you know I I know um, startup founders that yeah don't have a problem with customer acquisition uh, because they have found that community I wish that was me I really do (laughs) yeah so so you had you had kind of this base to fall back on and you worked for them you know 18 months kind of that, that those first few projects that you did what was something unexpected that you that you found doing those I think I found out just how real decision fatigue is oh that's a cool phrase I've never heard that oh yeah um so it's kind of just wearing you down decision after decision and so uh, you know I didn't have um because I was busy off and running serving clients when I first started out so I didn't have a website or any sort of online presence until Mm -hmm seven months into my business. Wow. And so then when I actually did start doing that, then you're serving clients. And then of course it's your brand and your website. And as a writer, like you analyze every word and what color is best (laughs) and which website platform and just all the things. And so the decisions just never stopped. And I, you know, you don't want to give up. You want to care about it all. But at some point you have to go, okay, all these decisions are not um, vital and important. Mm -hmm. And this works for now and I can go back and change it later. But it was, yeah, it was trying to manage it all, especially when I started um, having an online presence and creating Mm -hmm. my own blog and posts and um, as, you know, as well as servicing clients and everything that comes with it. And so it was just decision after decision. And I just got tired of making decisions. And it was like, you know, if somebody asked me where you wanted to go eat that night, I just wanted to throw something at them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in going off of that, who did you surround yourself with to make sure you, you, you didn't get into your own head too much? Um, I've had one mentor for almost a decade now. And so we, wow. yeah, we, we, I got really, really lucky with her. Um, and a mentor, I sort of always describe it like, well, I don't know if it's still irrelevant in 2019, but I always describe it like the container story. You didn't know you need it until you found it. Um, <laughs> and so I had a mentor years and years ago and it was, you know, a fantastic experience. And I was like, why haven't I had one of these all my life? And then that relationship ended. Um, it was time to just life transitions for both of us. And so then I, you know, sought out another their mentor and it took me almost two years Um, but then I got introduced to um, the person I have now and we've been you know meeting almost monthly for almost a decade and she's incredible and great at what she does and um, keeps me from you know going insane and things like that (laughs) so yeah she's a great person to speak into and then you know the other people um, on the other side of the coin that are just peers a lot of them doing what I do um, running their own businesses solo and so we all need somebody else to kind of help speak into our process and give us um, words of encouragement or just listen on the hard days. And Mm -hmm. um, so the mentors are usually about the high level problems and the big overarching things in your business. And then the peers are usually more of the day to day stuff. And, And how did you find your peers? 
uh, before this time, I had friends, of course, that had their businesses, but not a lot. And so some of them were sort of discovered along the way, Mm -hmm. um, either via friends or, um, you just kind of run into them. Some, you know, now it's very common for people to start their own businesses. And so then you just sort of navigate and, um, you kind of are drawn to each other. And so now I know lots of women running their own businesses, but, um, you know, a few of us gravitate towards each other more than others. And so I have some that I talk to more regularly and others less regularly that I may only see a couple of times a year, but, uh, yeah, they're just friends I met along the way and we hit it off and wanted to spend more time together. Or, um, a few of us have a Facebook group together to be able to share resources. And we have text streams that, um, we're just able to ask little questions or, um, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, you just, if you don't already know them, then you get out there and meet people or you ask people. Some of those friends were introductions. Um, I started a mastermind a couple of years ago because I didn't have it. Um, so I wanted to, I had had an accountability partner. It was going great, but then I knew six or seven other people who were also women doing great things on their own, but we were all by ourselves doing it. And I was running to coffees with all of them. And I was like, can we just all not even know each other? <laughs> and so that was kind of, we sort of formed a group. And so there's, um, you know, a few of us. And so we have a Facebook group and a text stream and stuff like that. And then some of my, you know, it was a life season change for them. So they needed to step out, which is great. Um, but I still get to see them a couple of times a year and all of them are there anytime I need anything and vice versa. I want to talk a little bit more about Signify, and I realize we've not said the name yet. <laughs> Signify, yes. Signify. Tell your friends, yeah. <laughs> It'll be in the intro. <laughs> so where, where does that name come from? I knew I wanted one word. Um, I knew I wanted it to have multiple meanings, like I had done with my words of the year. But I also wanted it to be a word about the work we could all do together, rather than just something being named after me and making it all about me. Um, again, no offense to anyone. That's totally fine if you do that. But <laughs> mine was more about the work we could create together. And so I literally sat in a coffee shop and just started stream of consciousness writing and said, okay, if somebody asked me about my business, here's all the things I would tell them. And so I just started looking for words that kind of encompassed everything I wanted to say. And it was mm-hmm. a lot to ask of one word. Um, but I finally came up with signify, which means um, to make known, to make important and to represent. And so I felt like that kind of figured it out on all levels. And um, so when I saw that, it, it sort of, it stuck with me and I loved it. Were there any other companies with that name at that point? I, I find it surprising because it's such a, you know, right? cool yeah. word. Yeah. Um, well, not at the time. Unfortunately for me, why my URL is a little um, non-traditional is because it usually one word like that, people do go up and snag the .com, the .co, the .net, yeah. and all the comments. So I didn't have access to any of those, and I did not have 20K to shell out to buy that domain either. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, now um, Phillips Lighting has changed its name to Signify. So they were the ones who owned oh. that domain. And so now... Um, I like my website better though. <laughs> and so if you go on there to signify.com, that's now Phillips lighting and it says they've changed their name and that's where they live. Um, so yeah, at the time, no, unfortunately for me now. Yes. Well, one day we'll take on Phillips. I know. Right. We'll yeah. Do it. Stick it to the man. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just kidding. They're probably very lovely people. <laughs> what do you help nonprofits do? 
I like to say essentially I help more people do good. And so the three ways that's lived out are I help nonprofits and for-profits that are mission-driven with copywriting projects. And then the second bucket is uh, marketing strategy consulting. So for the really little organizations, sometimes it's just making marketing more approachable or helping them understand it, helping them find a rhythm instead of it just something that continually moves to the back burner. And then the third bucket, which is teaching small business owners and solopreneurs how to take their first philanthropy steps. It's, I don't have enough of time, I don't have enough of money, I don't have enough of whatever, but I want to give back. And especially now, people really want to use whatever they have, whether it's their own time or energy, their businesses, some other resource, um, to be able to um, involve themselves in the issues and causes that they care about. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I can show you how to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, You know, if you have five minutes and no dollars, I'll show you how to make a difference with your business. And so it was more like... Um, helping them really retrain their brain on no matter, I use the uh, example of a garage sale, anything you have to give somebody else wants. (laughs) And so um, it was really a matter of helping them um, be able to take those first steps. Or if they are doing something, the other side of the coin is people are afraid to talk about it in some respects because they don't want to look exploitive to the people that they're working with. And so help them find a good... um, balance to that because you know again i think 2019 so many of us care about that um and want to see our businesses we want to know the people behind it and we want to know that they don't just sell something that they support something as well and so i think being able to teach them to do that early on and if i can teach people how to do that on the front end then hopefully as they grow they'll only give more so that goes back to benefit the nonprofits and social enterprises Mm -hmm. that i was already working with to begin with so it's another way to help them Have you, while running this, have you had that feeling of, I did it? Or have you had that I did it moment or this could work moment? I don't know if you know much about the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram 4. So we are like, yeah. So a lot of my friends are nines. Um, I have a lot of three and a lot of nine and seven friends. And so fours are like the road back to you book. He says fours don't have feelings. They are their feelings. Okay. So when people ask me about like, what is it like to run your own business? Or how's your business going? I literally will tell them it depends on the day and the time that you ask me. Because it's how I'm feeling (laughs) at that moment. And so at one point during the day, without a doubt, I I'm like, I am kicking butt and taking names. I've got this thing down. And then at another point in the day, I'm like, does Monster still take resumes? Can you find jobs there? You know? And it's, so it's literally the gamut um, of emotions expressed during the day. So I've had some really awesome projects um, that have paid me well and that were, you know, um, working with more nationally known brands and then some that are just my friends trying to get their stuff off the ground. And to me, those are just as satisfying because I get to, I, you know, I know the person and I mm-hmm. want to see them succeed. So, um, you know, I feel like a friend and I were having lunch the other day talking about um, his business is a little younger than mine. We're talking about the first year you're just literally trying to get through every day and figuring out how to take on what is next and what other challenge that you don't know is around the corner because you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. And so now moving into year three, this 2019 has been all about refining my business model mm-hmm. um, and becoming more confident as a business owner because, you know, I've been writing since I was a kid. I think 15 years or so ago, my friend was like, you know, describe yourself in one word. And I forgot what job I had at the time, but no matter what it was, I would have described myself as a writer. That was just sort of all core to my being. And so I have always been very candid about the fact that I am somebody who took a skill and learned to turn it into a business and was not a 
business person who said, mm-hmm. oh, what can I do with these amazing skills I have as a business owner? <laughs> and so um, for me, it's been trying to find that balance. So now I feel like getting the breathing room of, okay, I kind of have a system. I kind of have a process. I kind of have these other things. I understand how to work with clients. Um, some of it's just the data of learning, you know, years into it. I'm Because I have um, a few clients per month and I'm not selling, you know, lots of $20 products or mm-hmm. something, Sometimes it just takes that data of working on different things to figure out what you like and don't like. And so I feel like going into this year three, that was part of the process as well as um, just learning how to be a more confident business owner and be able to embrace those aspects rather than like, how can I just get back to writing? I don't want to do this other stuff. Right. What are some misconceptions that you've heard from people uh, in in more of the for-profit world that do want to become or or have more of a social service arm? What are are some of the things they say that you, you can debunk? There are multiple definitions for social enterprise and what a social enterprise is, and there can be both nonprofit and for-profit social enterprises. One of the things I tell people, especially on the front end, is that if you're really learning to take these first steps and you don't need the tax write-off necessarily, or that's not important to you, you're just looking for a way to give back, then talk to a for-profit social enterprise because it's still an emerging business model and so many of them are new as well and could use a helping hand too, whether it's through time, donation, influence, um, anything like that. Like my friend Catrell, she has a tea shop in Candler Park um, called Dr. Bombay's. Mm-hmm. And so it is a for-profit tea shop, but the, t- the proceeds put girls through college in India. So, um, you know, they're always looking for volunteers and extra help and partners and things like that too. So that's an example of a for-profit um, doing good, but they're a for-profit. So if you don't right. need the tax donation or the, the tax write-off, then go talk to them um, if that's an interest or an area um, that really matters to you. And so I think, you know, even talking to, um, it surprised me, even talking to interns um, and a lot of people now, even in their 20s and things, I'm constantly surprised with the emergence of the social um, enterprise model and we see so many for-profit businesses doing good things I still have so many people come to me and say I want to do something good so which nonprofit should I start with and I'm like well the answer doesn't have to be a nonprofit and I think that's still a big shift because we're Mm -hmm. seeing all these for-profit companies doing amazing things so um, I love nonprofits I you know champion many of them I work with many of them and I will always work with them but they aren't the only ones doing something good. So if you're looking to make a difference, that doesn't have to be the only place um, that you go. Now, I'd love to see, you know, great people going there as well, but it's, I think we've um, too long limited ourselves in that capacity. So, you know, I think both for-profits and non-profits have a lot to learn from each other and social enterprises at the, at the intersection of that. Where, where do you see Signify going? I've had the same dream for Signify since before I started, and it's still a dream I'm working on, and that is um, for either the people that can't afford me um, for one-on-one services or for people that have a very specific um, issue or problem that they need solved quickly. My goal has always been to create an online store full of products um, that help serve those two different audiences. So I have a couple products on there now. One um is uh, promote with purpose my launch strategy guide. So if I spoke somewhere or talked somebody through launches, then it's my entire philosophy as well as lots of ideas for how to promote something they're doing. Um, and so that was sort of like just packaging my brain into that um, where launches are concerned because I do work on a lot of them. And then the second one, uh, one of my most popular blog posts was about um, advice for nonprofits trying to get partnerships and sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And so what we did from there because that was um 
because that was a popular blog post. So the need that I saw in talking to people and reading through that post again and kind of seeing who that was designed to help, um, that sparked the idea to create. It's basically a PowerPoint presentation that if you don't have a staff graphic designer, um, all the information you need to present to a partner and it's already done into a PowerPoint. So if you have a sponsorship presentation later this afternoon, um, you could go and download it and insert all your own information, your own case studies, and it's sort of a fill in the blank um, for that purpose. And then if you do have a graphic designer on staff or you want to take more time um, or you really want to customize it, then there's a guide in there that tells you how to change the, you know, the images and the colors and all of that. So um, one of my interns last year helped me create that, but it's designed to make that process a lot easier for um, so many people want sponsors and partners, but they don't have the resources or don't know what to say. And so I've talked to them through what to say and how to say it. And all they have to do is fill in the blank and go to the meeting. Um, and then hopefully lots more to come. I've got lots and lots of ideas. It's just a matter of getting the time um, to create them. But yeah, that's that's always been the long-term goal for Signify. This idea of community keeps coming back. And mm-hmm. I think it does relate to your case as well, because essentially when you were building this from an idea to a viable business, mm-hmm. I think you did rely on the community that you had built, you know, um, you know, years before you started the business. And I wanted to ask you, in your experiences with Signify and before, what did community mean to you and has that definition changed? I don't know that there's a lot I would boast about myself, but one thing I've always been very confident in is my ability to pick friends. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think I've always, since I was a kid, I've always been able to surround myself with people that believed in me and supported me and were doing good things and were genuinely good people and I wanted to see them succeed as well. And so I think you know, that's how we all get better and how we all push ourselves to be better um, and how you get through both, you know, you have people to celebrate with you and you have people to cry with you. And um, so that's something I've always had in my life. And then, um, you know, in business, like I said, it looks a little different sometimes because especially if I'm here, you know, working on my couch, um, which I like to do, like, you know, a few years back we had the huge snowstorm and we, you know, we were all trapped inside for like a week. I was like, this is the best week ever. Um, (laughs) Snowpocalypse. Right. And everybody else is like, I can't stand being inside by myself. And I'm like, another week, another week. Um, (laughs) And so that comes very naturally to me. And so this has been my summer of networking to get myself out of the house and meeting people and being able to create more community because I can easily go into hermit mode and like it. But sometimes those slow progressions that you don't see or how it affects you long term. Um, And so, you know, I talk to people when I can, um, text with my friends or talk to them or, you know, being able to even just people I don't know. um, When I find people, you know, I connected with you because I liked your I liked your title on LinkedIn. (laughs) You were suggested to me. And so, you know, I think the concept of community, especially in the social impact space, is when you find somebody else doing something good, then they're automatically a part of your community because you're all working toward making things better. So, yeah, I think digital age has definitely expanded our definition of community and it's often a good thing. A special thanks to Christy for her time and being a great guest. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week, I talked to Tiffany Latrice, founder of Tila Studios, a co-working and community space for black women artists that empowers them to create and showcase their work. This episode is a product of Audiographies, edited by Jacob Smullian. The music was created by Keenan Willis. This episode was sponsored by no one, but it could be sponsored by you. 
please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash audiographies and consider becoming a patron so we can keep bringing you stories like this one. You'll get access to behind-the-scenes content like photos with our guests, unedited interviews, or bloopers like this one right here. A special thanks to Christy for her time and being... Let's try that again. We'll see you in the next one.